AnteUp is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But AnteUp is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AnteUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's June 9th, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. I got to uh, play uh, Doc Brown this week and go back in time. And I played Papes. With our good friends from the Antioch Nation. Were, were you assassinated by a uh, foreign terrorist in a, uh, a PW bug? In a mall. I, I, I had the uh, wherewithal to wear a vest that would protect me from most of the shots fired uh, during the, uh, the the tournament I played in. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, years ago we started a tournament called Apes. It was the Antioch Intercontinental Poker Series. And then when... Uh, Black Friday happened. We converted it to Papes, which was basically play money, and uh, it's still going, still going on every every date that ends in a six. There is an Antioch Poker Tournament on Poker Stars, and I, for those of you who remember, uh, a little while ago I tried to play in one a few months ago, uh, and I couldn't get enough money, <laughs> the fake money, to buy in. So, so yeah, so I uh, I have since then spent my uh, wee hours logging into uh, Poker Stars on my iPad and accumulating enough chips that I could play in these things every once in a while when I get that <laughs> message. So uh, I'm laying in bed and I'm like, wait a minute, it's the sixth, or and I'm like, there's a Papes tonight. What is it? So I log in and find out, of course, it's PLO. And I got to play PLO with uh, the Annie Up Nation, and it, I, I, like I was saying, it was like just being brought back to the old days. And I had the same, you know, uh, excitedness, uh, anxiety, uh, you know, because you, you want to do well. And then ultimately, uh, I, I lasted as long as my, uh, you know, my attention span would let me. I mean, when you're not playing for money, sometimes I take it seriously, but. You know, sometimes you're kind of just not. You're, I was editing stories for the magazine while I was, you know. So, um, but I wanted to say there were there were 15 players. Uh, I went out around 10th or 9th, I think 9th. You don't go near the effective bubble. But because it paid three spots, I have to coin a new term. I'm going to call it the penultimate effective bubble. <laughs> so we have another term that we could add to the any up dictionary. I went out. Uh, Ninth, if it was ninth, I'm sort of three spots away from the effective bubble, so I think I was the penultimate effective bubble. I got to knock out Gambit, which was awesome. He went out first in the tournament. I knocked him out. Um, But it was really, it was great playing with them, and I just have to let everybody know, I mean, I think you have to be part of the home game team, but you can get an invitation. uh, That's how it works. I'm not really sure, but... uh, Check everything out on uh, we have we have a thing on PokerRadius.com, Is that correct? Yeah, you yeah. PokerRadius.com. 
click <clears> on the <throat> Annie Up Events subgroup, you'll get all the information on how you can sign up. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, they, you know, we had the same kind of conversations, joking around, and like I took the chip lead really early, which we all know doesn't last when I play. Uh, but you know, I'm starting to write stuff on the the or, you know messaging in the chat box, and I'm like, you know. Look at the scoreboard, buddy. Leader, leader, tournament. You know, and just joking around. And I'm like, can we turn this to big O eight? You know, and <laughs> just had a lot of fun with everybody. And uh, I had uh, Poker Geek at my table for a while. There, we were uh, we were battling, and then I, like I said, I just lost my 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 attention span. Just got the word. I thought I was getting it all in with a real good hand, and then it didn't turn out that way, and I got knocked out. But I had a lot of fun. And uh, for those of you who want to know how things turned out and, and how to join it, please go to PokerRadius.com. I think we're uh, one bubble term away from being the participation ribbon of any of our poker podcast. We have to give out bananas to everyone. <laughs> Good job, Johnny. Good job. Pat on the back. You participated. <laughs> but I am getting hooked on Big 08, believe it or not. I, I, no, I do not believe it. So. It's the fifth card. The fifth card is making me want to play. It's... When I, it's just regular Omaha eight and all PLO eight and all that now. But when you add the fifth card, there's something about it. I like playing it, and uh, yeah. that's how I'm betting all my chips uh, on the play the sites. If, if you're liking playing it, that means I'm gonna like playing it more. I know you're gonna love. Well, we 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 played it in California together. No, right? no, I just the more excited you get it. Oh, oh, yeah, because you're gonna get more, more money out of me. Out yeah. There for me to get. yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But you, it's true. Chips. It's true. I'll probably play a little more conservatively when I play for real money with with people and stuff. But when I played on the play chips, that's how I'm getting all my money. These people are horrible. I mean, I've got like three million chips. I started with ten thousand, and it was like all playing P, uh, Big O Eight. So some 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 no limit hold them too. You play in that Zoom, but uh, yeah, I like it. I like Big O Eight. Maybe someday we'll uh, we'll be able to to play that again. But uh, anyway, had a good time, and I'm really glad that I did it. And uh, I want to thank everybody for. You know, Gambit and those guys, and especially Poker Geek for running it, and uh, it was fun. Yeah, definitely Poker Geek puts a lot of time and effort into Yep, this. absolutely. So, appreciate that. So while you're busy playing uh, free money poker, <laughs> I was digging deep in, on the news sites to find something to put on the show this week. <laughs> it's okay, uh, I, did, I took care of five minutes, you can take care of the rest. <laughs> but no, this, this is actually an interesting story, and I think uh, we could turn it into an interesting discussion, so we'll see, I don't know. But uh, I found an article on uh, Yankees fan site, pinstripealley.com. That's probably, you probably have a bookmark. I certainly don't. <laughs> um, this week, that recounted the story of how pitcher Edwin Johnny Pye got his first start. Now, this is back in, like, 1909 or something, a long time ago, back in the uh, the dead ball area. Right. Yeah, dead ball area, as they call it, right? Right. And uh, so apparently he was playing in a poker game with manager Frank Chance. I love that. And uh, Pi tried to bluff his skipper, prompting the manager to say, uh, if you show as much nerve on the ball field as you do in a poker game, you might amount to something. <laughs> and then Pi responded, how can I show any nerve on the lot when you won't let me pitch? And then uh, so that's how the pitcher got his first major league start. So um, I, I thought that was kind of a funny story, anyhow, or interesting story. But um, I, it's a, it reminded me that uh, how interesting it is from a psychological or human study standpoint how people can be one person at the poker table and a completely different person away from the poker table. Or in this case, how a person can be one way in a one, in one type of game and completely different in another game. Yeah, I think we, we may have covered this sort of in the past when we talked about the way I play. Because in real life, I'm just like this frugal, you know... 
penny pincher. But when I play poker, I accept the idea that I'm sitting at this table and trying to um, perform with the tools that I have, and I can't be I can't be associating money with the chips that I'm putting in the middle. And so I may play a lot more aggressively with this quote money in front of me than I do with the money in my real life. So I, I agree with this. I think uh, that there's something about sitting down to a game or something of chance, you know, other games, um, that, that makes you stray from the person you are in real life. You know, and it, it, maybe some people look at it as an escape or some people are just really good at adapting as to what, what they need to do to succeed in one of these things. So very interesting that, I mean, I, I to be honest, I've never heard of these people in my life, and I'm a Yankee, so I mean, I I, I don't know what it is, but but uh, I thought that was interesting that, and and I thought you were going to open this up to a bigger discussion, like, you know, should we let poker dictate bigger decisions in life, you know, or something? But but anyway, no, I, I think that's it is interesting. I, I think I'm one of the cases. Have a dispute. You have to settle with poker table. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, they did um, it with other things, so. <laughs> no, I, I, we obviously have talked about this before because, um, you know, I'm the polar opposite of what you just said, right? I'm, you know, in life, I'm very aggressive in business. I'm always dragging you on. Come on, Chris, let's do this. Yeah. And at the poker table, I'm much more conservative. So um, I haven't been able to reconcile why that is for myself. So that's why I think it's very interesting when you start looking at other people that are like that and why it has to be different. You know, you it just... I don't know. Maybe I'm making it too simplistic, but it just seems like who you are should be who you are in whatever situation. Yeah. You would think that it would reflect who you are almost always, but it, it doesn't. You know, it is it is interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'd i like to know how this guy did in, <laughs> when he finally did get a chance to start. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't mention it in the article. <laughs> That's what you get when you become a Yankees fan. Sights like pinstripe alley don't give you the whole story. Oh, man, that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, but do you think that uh, the, the way you act, at, like, not act, but the, the the approach you have in poker is just because you identified that that's the way you succeeded, and so you're continuing with that? Like, no, like the, or, not. I wish I could no, play okay. poker the way I play life, and I, I don't. I can't. I, you know, I'm getting better at it, but I, I don't. I mean... I am apprehensive at the poker table about losing chips or money. And you've been able to make this divorce that's I'm very envious of that I haven't yet, you know. And I'm sitting there at the at a one three no limit table because there's nothing else I can play and I'm pissed off. <laughs> I gotta play no limit hold them. <laughs> right. And I got two stacks of high society in front of me, I'm like Ugh. and then I, I'm really apprehensive about shoving them in or putting them in um, or raising big uh, whereas you know in other aspects of life I'm, I, I'm, maybe it's a confidence thing maybe mm. that's what it is I mean I'm certainly I, I will admit I'm not very confident in no limit cash I feel much more confident in no limit tournaments or some of these other games so maybe it's a confidence thing and, and that's probably the case in real life too right there's things that you do in life that you feel more confident about than others yeah yeah. And so maybe that was uh, maybe that was the case with the uh, Johnny Pie here, you know. He was very confident in the poker game, but it wasn't showing the same confidence on the mound. Yeah. For whatever reason. See, it, it, poker is just another it's just uh, every time we you think you've learned something 
the last thing you're going to learn about the importance of poker and how it relates to life, you can find another thing. And and maybe it's a good vehicle for people to take, reflect on their own lives. You know, why why am I so good at this, but I'm terrible at this? Or why why can't I be this way? And it's, you, 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 for an example, saying that, that I should just be more aggressive in poker. See, I take it as you should be a little more conservative in life. <laughs> That's what I think. I think you should calm down in real life. Well, it's also my real concern is that we had to go back 109 years to find the latest lesson <laughs> in real life about poker, right? So, but it's just like scientists who have just recently <laughs> discovered that humans have been around maybe even 100,000 years longer than we first thought because they're digging deeper. Yeah, you like that yeah. digging deeper. You like that? Okay, yeah, very nice. So yeah. there you go. So that's what you did. So very good. <laughs> All right, well, the World Series is off and running, and uh, here's a couple highlights from events that have already completed. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Uh, Liv Bory and Igor Kurganov, who have been dating for several years, won event number two, the $10,000 tag team event, and donated half of their $273,964 prize to Raising for Effective Giving, a charity well-known among poker players. And speaking of charity, Doug Polk won his third career bracelet in event number six, the $111,111 buy-in. High roller for one drop event. And Doyle Brunson, who is 83 years old now and was not at the Deep Stack Charity Classic and uh, hasn't played a World Series event since 2013 and last won a bracelet in 2005, says he's considering entering this year's $10,000 buy-in induced to seven lowball championship or the $50,000 buy-in players championship. Uh, both of those are expected to have fields of around 100 players or fewer. Your subtle humor is awesome. <laughs> but we got to hope that the listeners that know what the hell you're talking about when you bring up the Deep Stack Charity Classic, what if they didn't see, hear that episode? Hey, it, those are Easter eggs for our true fans. So. <laughs> I got to tell you, I love the Liv Bory and Igor Kurganov story. I love it. I love that they did that. Wins, right? To have <laughs> yep. teams like this win, right? Yep awesome awesome story that they donated to and it's just great and all the stories every year every year there's something comes up that just makes you feel like ah you know this is why i love the game or this is why we did this with the magazine or whatever it is and and i just love it i love big 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 uh props to them and and uh i'm and a lot of stuff too the the fun stuff is like i'm getting texts from our friends too like hey negranu's heads up for a bracelet you know, better watch out. He's going to get three of them and stuff like that. So that's a lot of fun too. And, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to more updates as they go along. So what do you think about Doyle here? Well, you know, he's been playing poker for 83 years. Uh, see now I'm using the subtle humor that you're forgetting (laughs) when I was interviewing him at Foxwoods when he was 75 years old back then. See, that's how long I've been doing this. And the guy walks over and goes, honey, Honey, that's poker. That's Doyle Brunson. He's been playing poker for 75 years. And I'm like, well, he's only 74. And then Doyle's laughing. And that's when we knew how, just how gracious he really was. You know, he could, he could have looked at the guy like he was a moron, but instead he's just like, hey, I'll sign your book or whatever. Well, I'm a little worried now. Were, were you actually talking to Doyle Brunson? Yes. I interviewed him. Remember for the what, show? Was it an imposter? No, it was actually him. <laughs> how can you be so? I have him show me his ID. <laughs> See, back then we didn't fall for fake news. We had people verify who they were. But I think it's fantastic, and I would love... Man, if he won that bracelet, I mean, it would be the greatest story in history if he won any of those bracelets. I don't think you could find a better story than bracelet 
uh, than him winning a, like a two to seven bracelet now at, at eighty three. Part of me uh, feels bad that poker's got to the point now where these tournaments are such a grind now, and you can't have, uh, or it's hard. I should say it's harder on uh, folks that are getting up in those later years to be able to feel like they can compete yeah. uh, or even really sit there through the whole thing, right? So, yeah. um, you know, both these tournaments should not take terribly long, which is you know what's playing in this decision according to him. Um, but there, there really are the only <laughs> tournaments with a hundred or few players at the World Series now. I mean, the Colossus just ended with like what sixteen thousand. Yeah, it was like eighteen thousand something like that. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. so you know, um, um, but you know, uh, so it'd be good to actually see him play again. So I tell you what, if he wins something, better they better do something for him on ESPN, like or whatever these Poker Central things are going, whatever's going on now. I don't even know, but I mean, you know, the, most of the time they just focus on the the main event but if something happened where he won one of these things they would they better dedicate like a whole show to this guy or something because that's just un- it'll be unbelievable if he does something well i hope it's the lowball there because i love for them to actually spend some time showcasing a game other than knowing that hold on to yeah it. yeah i remember when they tried to do stud eight i think it was during the horse tournament i don't think they showed i can't remember now if they showed an actual stud eight bracelet on ESPN once, or if it was just part of the horse. I think it was part of the you know the players' championship. Well, a long horse. time ago, I think they actually broadcast the stud one, and it was brutal to watch. I, it, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. Yeah, but this would now the Deuce of Seven Lowball Championship is that the no limit single draw, or is that uh, the, I believe it is. Yeah, yeah. So that would be interesting. That you could do because it's just. I mean, they'd have to make sure you see the cars and stuff so you can get an idea what's going on. But that you could do because it's still just a no limit and basically a couple better rounds. So betting round so that yeah it's a much more accessible game too. yeah than study no limit fans yeah yeah that would be great man i'm fingers crossed man fingers crossed plus if they actually did with whole card cam i mean i'm sure probably the they're doing it online which i should probably plan to watch because i mean that this is a game where you really get into the soul of poker players and bluffing and reading your opponents because you have absolutely no information and you get one time and you get your all your ships that you can use so um, it would be really good. It'd be really fun, I think, to watch really the best poker players in the world battle each other. Yeah, that game, man, some serious bluffing going on there and serious knowledge. Hey, any updates? We have five upcoming Any Up Poker Cruises on our schedule with deadlines for our August 26th sailing to Cuba and our September 17th sailing out of Galveston, Texas, closing in fast. All passengers on all sailings get a commemorative coin souvenir. Uniquely designed for each sailing by thepokerdepot.com, a one-month membership to advanced poker training, and a quick reference poker odds card from thegamblingschool.com. For more information, visit anyupcruises.com. Uh, we talked about Poker Radius earlier. Pokerradius.com is a great poker networking site that is home to the AnyUp group discussions. Basic memberships are free, and you get access to the AnyUp group discussions, and upgraded memberships get you access to discounts on poker products and automatic entries to contests. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com. And if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. Our good friend Vic, he, uh, he posted this question in our Question of the Day message forum on Poker Radius. And he says, I was wondering how you guys handle players who ask, will you show your hand if I fold? This usually happens at showdown when your opponent is facing a big bet and is looking for some type of information. I think we've all either heard this question or asked it ourselves. When I bet on the river, I usually put on my poker face and stare at the board or at my opponent's hands as he touches his cards and chips. When I hear this question, I usually don't reply, 
But if they're a recreational player who asks, I figure that they're so curious that they will do anything to see my car so they keep they can sleep at night. So if I'm bluffing, I may agree to show if they fold. But if I'm holding the nuts, I decline to show. I even heard one player in this situation reply, I don't know how to respond to get you to do what I want you to do. <laughs> what if you're holding a monster hand and want the call and you see that they're starting to fold? Do you say anything to get them to change their minds and make the call? Lastly, do you ever ask a player this question when you're facing a big river bet? If so, what are you looking for them to say to help you decide whether to call or fold? Looking forward to the insightful discussion. And he says, P.S. Scott, do you get invited to municipal workers' poker games now? Catch any hangers? <laughs> I do not. I'm sorry. I have not yet. Yeah, I don't know if there's a game out there that I haven't. Yeah, you don't. You don't want to yeah. see the state police uh, as but, you pull yeah. up to the building. <laughs> um, all right. So you know, I always like when Vic writes in because it's like uh, Rodney Dangerfield and Back to School. You know, we have like seven parts with <laughs> three subparts to every question. <laughs> um, so a couple things I'll say. One, um, how how about trying this on for size? Why don't you always say, yes, I'll show my cards. And then when the player folds, you just push the cards to the dealer, and they go, hey, you said you are going to show. And I'm like, you didn't specify which side of the card you want to see. <laughs> see, you didn't set that line, right? How's that? Here are the cards. You're seeing them. Uh, but, no, I, I love the, the the one line that they put in there that I don't know how to respond to get you to do what I want you to do. Uh, I'm a big fan of humor at the table. I don't like talking, so if I'm going to talk, I'm going to try to make a joke out of it, and that's a funny one. I'm going to probably put that on my my list if I ever do decide to talk to people about this. But um, but I, I don't like talking at the table, so I, I'm never going to be the one asking, so I, I can't give them any advice on, you know, how to ask people and when to ask this I'm not going to do it and I don't respond to people generally at the table so if people ask me this I'll just sit there and stare at them so that's how I handle this I always tell them I'll show no matter what yeah I'll show sure and able to show them the back <coughs> of the cards now you like that right yeah that's interesting although he does ask if you show your hand not the cards well, I can show my hands too. <laughs> hand, right? here's one hand here's another hand this hand is my hand Remember that from the Friends episode? That was pretty exactly, cool. yeah. Um, I, you know, and, and there's other similar questions that people get asked, like, um, do you want me to call? You know, it's like, will you show me your hand? Do you want me to call? They, I, and I think I had that with Annette Oberstadt at the Poker oh, yeah, Academy yeah. that time. She's like, do you want me to call? And I'm like, I never know what to say to that. What do you want me to say to you? Yeah, I want you to call. I don't want you to call. No matter what I say, you know, and then she called and I beat her. It was great. Uh you could be truthful. You could say, I want you to call if you have a worse hand than I have. That's true, too. That's true, too. Uh, and then even if you know you have the nuts, you're still telling the truth. Yeah. Because you know, she could have the same hand as you. It's possible, I think. Um, I, I don't know. I think I just always say, yeah, I'll show. I'll show. I don't care. I'll show. And then when they fold, I don't show. <laughs> <clears throat> or it depends on the mood. Like, if, if I really want to set somebody off, because I think they're on the, the precipice of going nuts, I'll show them a bluff. And, and whatever. So if, if it's a thing where I want somebody to stay in the game, you know, and I don't want them to leave because I think that they're an easy mark, I'll show them the hand that I know they know they were beat by me so they'll feel better about it and they'll stay. So it just depends, I think. And, and sometimes not even the moment. I'm just goofing around. I'll show whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm never really sure what to, what to say because I'm not, I'm not a real big talker at the table either. You know, I mean, I talk when I'm out of the hand. But when I'm in the hand and stuff, I'm not really – 
I, I, most of the time when I'm talking, it's because I want you to, to call. Because I'm doing everything I can to get you to call. I'm not real confident in doing everything I can to get you to fold. So most of the time when I'm talking to you, I want you to call because I got it. Um, we were on the ship before you got on there, and there was a guy playing, and, and I did. I worked so hard for the call, and I got it. I got it at the end, and it worked. And even afterward, even at dinner the next night, they're like, man, you really you got that guy to call. And I'm like, I know. I, I don't know how I did it, but I just I went through every situation with him. And so usually when I'm talking, it's because it's I'm confident. Um, but normally we don't get into that in the home game. Because we don't usually have a hand that's... We usually play most of our games are limit in the home game. So we don't usually have conversations like that in the home game. Very rarely uh, are we playing no limit to the point where we're so worried that we can't talk, you know. Um, But when you're in a casino... And I think uh, quite the opposite, too. Uh, The conversation around the table usually stops when there's a big hand going on. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true. We usually... Because it's like, whoa, this, this is our home game. What's going on? Why are we playing for a bag of Skittles all of a sudden? I think partly it's because we now everybody actually wants to see a big hand, and the other part of it is we all kind of respect each other and like yeah, yeah. shut up and let them figure out what they need to do, right? Yeah, but, yeah, that's uh, true. The one thing, the one thing I will say, to Vic, though, is the worst thing you could do, I think, is what he suggested that you know, hey, if I, uh, you know, depending on what he has in his hand, he'll answer differently. I mean, that's now that's a tell, right? Yeah, if they are paying attention to him, and, yeah. exactly. I was thinking the same thing that if they're playing long enough with him. And that's exactly what he does. You don't want people to know that. Like now, when I play, I won't. I'll talk even when I'm bluffing now because I don't want people to say, "I remember this when I played with Casenza." Now, you know, no. I mean, now I'll mix it up. But generally, if I'm talking, I got it. So, and I can also not be bluffing and talk, and now I'll get it because you know, you know, oh, he's talking, he must have it, and I don't. So, I'll use it against you. Don't think I won't. Hey, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is set up of J-Design Playing Cards, the official playing cards of Annie Up Poker Cruises, available at classicplayingcards.com. Comes from Carlos Deza. He says, we're in a one-two no-limit hold'em cash game in a Florida card room. On the river, the small blind has $150, the big blind has $220, and the button has 1100 it's checked to the button who says, I bet 10000 and drops $20 worth of chips into the pot. The small blind folds, but the big blind says, okay, I call and I'm all in. The button then asks, do I have to call that bet? The floor ruled the, that action is on the button, and it was $200 to call. He called, and his river set lost to a straight, but I thought the small blind was the one who suffered here. Am I wrong? Didn't the button's verbal announcement of I bet 10,000 change action as soon as the small blind folds? My thought is that if you announce a bet above your stack value, it would indicate that you are all in. The floor explained that it wasn't a, po- a possible bet because it largely exceeded his stack size, so they defaulted to the, two- the $20 bet. I disagreed and asked what uh, if he announced uh, I bet $1,300 and his stack was $1,000. The floor stated then... They would hold him to the bet, huh? <laughs> that's not me saying huh. That's yeah, that's yeah. Carlos saying huh. All right. So Elliot says uh, in this situation, the better on the button made an obvious overstatement of his stack and bet twenty dollars. The next, then uh, uh, the next player folded, and then the last remaining player stated that he would quote call and uh, am all in. This is two actions: the call and then the all in bet. Each player gets one action per turn. And as soon as you verbalize one action, everything else after that is to be disregarded. 
The old Western movie style of announcing all of one's actions is contrary to accepted rules of modern casino poker. The floor person made the ruling incorrectly. As for the intentional overstatements, they are not to be made ever and are to be strongly discouraged. These statements lend an ambiguity to the game that is almost always uh, a well-disguised angle shot on the part of the person making the bet. Most of the time, he'll get plenty of information and errors from his opponents due to the inaction of the cardroom staff. The casino you were playing at has a neighborhood rule. The announced bet is in the neighborhood of the better stack, and it is all in bet. Otherwise, uh, it is chips move forward. The very big problem with the neighborhood rule is where is the border entering the neighborhood? 15% of the stack? 20%? 10%? 15% plus a dollar? These bets are always to be defaulted to the lowest amount possible. Chips in hand or the minimum allowable bet when no chips are moved forward. This keeps the betting intact while accounting for a verbal statement of bet. This rule is toothless, however, if the cardinal fails to let the offending player know that he will be shown the door after too many breaches of house rules. Yeah, I can see this being going either way no matter where depending on where you are playing poker right i can see everybody saying not everybody but a lot of people saying hey he said 10 grand he's only got 1100 that means he's all in and i mean i could see other people saying well you can't possibly make that bet but you know i i as long, if you say a number you know how do you know you don't have that much in front of you you know what i mean whatever i mean like you said where's that threshold or where is that ending at border of the neighborhood or whatever i mean to me i think that you would find a a, a poker room easily that would stay he's definitely all in for 1100 um so very interesting interesting well, I, ruling here I, i've got a foolproof way to solve this problem don't be a jerk <laughs> well yeah but we can't we know that's not gonna happen right right so, um if you say i bet ten thousand dollars guess what you bet ten thousand dollars <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> and then, hey, this this problem goes away, right? And now all these jokesters out there find out the jokes aren't nearly as funny as they think they are. But that doesn't stop anything because now people can go into their pockets for more money and you're supposed to have table stakes. So uh, that, that would create a whole new problem. Angle. You're, right. Yeah, you're right. Create another whole problem. But, no, uh, I mean, this is a situation where if I was a floor and I didn't care about my job, I would walk over and just slap the guy in the back of the head and go, why are you making my job so hard? Yeah. Yeah. Get out Let's of my room. See what they're doing, right? This guy's just being a uh, Deutsche Bank, and it's causing a lot of problems for somebody that wasn't even at the table. The floor is off hanging out, you know, yeah, yeah. find his own business, and now has to come over and, in the face of utter stupidity, have to make a decision that's fair for everybody at the table. And it's all because you're being a jerk. Yeah. Quit being a jerk. Yeah. I mean, you might be thinking you're being cute or funny, but yeah, just stop. Just stop. Oh, this is my favorite part of our show. We get to complete an O'Malley's move. I love doing this. So here comes part one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a $1, $2, no limit hold'em home game. It's one of our regular games, so we're fairly comfortable with the players. There's a button straddle to $4. The small blind folds, the big blind calls... And we're under the gun with 250, up 50, and the ace of spades, ace of hearts. Good hand, we raise to $15. It's folded around to the big blind who makes the call. The big blind is a novice player who is loose but passive. Generally speaking, when he starts to show aggression, he's got a hand. However, he's been stepping out of his normal play lately and making moves here and there. He started the hand with 175. There's $35 in the pot, and the flop comes down the queen of diamonds, jack of hearts, four of clubs. Our opponent leads out for $20. The 
This is a pretty safe flop, so we're going to apply some pressure. We raise his bet to $50. Our opponent quickly calls. There's 135 in the pot, and the turn is the king of hearts. Our opponent immediately shoves for his remaining 110. It's to us. What's the move? I don't like this. Uh, we raise pre-flop, he calls, and then he bets into us on the flop and then shoves on the turn. But we only have one pair, remember? And lots of reasonable hands have us beat. And I'm not sure what redraws we have. I'm folding. Uh, easy fold. I'm reminded of the poker video game we had Josh Core review back in the St. Pete Time days with uh, TJ Cludy. Remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you may have had the best start in hand in poker, but we're no longer at the start of this hand, and that board is really wet. So, to <laughs> me, it's an easy fold. Yeah, we had aces or whatever, but, you know, this this is a, this is a wet board, and right in the wheelhouse of people who would call a raise. Um, I'm out. Okay. All right, here we go. Here's what happens. Hello again. This is a clear fold. We have straight outs, and outs to better two pairs, if that is indeed what he has. But at best, we're up against two pair, and we're only 27% to win this pot in that case. This could be something like king-10, but I really doubt it. We fold. Our opponent tables king-queen offsuit and rakes in the pot. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes the best move is the obvious one. I hope to see you on the felt. I think a good axiom in poker is uh, if you are looking too hard for a reason to call or a reason to fold, and that's a sign not to do it. And here, if we wanted to find a reason to call, I'm sure we could have. Um, but it was very wise of O'Malley not to. Yeah, I've learned not to hang on to great starting hands just because they were once great. I really have. I used to be, it used to be hard to let go of them, but now I'm, it's a lot easier for me to fold these days. Um, you know, we still may have won if we called. Uh, but, yeah, that's you know, true. But we folded when we were behind with just one card to come, and that's not a mistake. Um, I agree with the fold. Um, but I, it's funny, when I was reading your answer on the notes, and it's like, a reason to call or a reason to fold, and that's a sign not to do it. And I'm like, wait a minute. It, <laughs> wait, which is it? <laughs> Two independent thoughts. I'm like, and don't do one of those thoughts. Either one of those thoughts. So. Sometimes you're looking for a reason to call, and other times you're looking for a reason to fold. You're right. It was hard. I thought about that when I wrote it. Yeah, but, it, but it's a good fold. It really is a good fold. Now, a four could have come on the river or a jack, and you would have won, or an ace, but you can't look at it that way. You just gotta, Or even a ten. But you got to look at it like, uh, you know, you made the right decision. But if you're sitting there like, well, it's possible that he's got four, five, and I could beat that. All right, I'm, I'm going to call. Or maybe he has ace-king, and he was calling for a gutter, but now he's hit his king, you know, or whatever, betting the gutter or whatever. So, um, yeah, there's no way this guy is, is is betting out with a gutter. and he's So he definitely had something on that flop, and then he was really proud of it on the turn. Yeah, that's a good move, and it turns out it was. So good, good, good call, or good fold. This is Noah Brunson, and you're listening to Annie Up. All right, it's time for advancedpokertraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. A good friend from uh, New Zealand, Tyrone Keel's back. I think it's New Zealand, right? Ah. Somewhere. Somewhere for there. me, he's from the interwebs. He's from <laughs> he's from through the uh, the headset from where you are, basically. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, he says uh, he was playing in his usual Sunday night National Poker League tournament last week. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it wasn't last week. It was when he sent this in. So. Right, right. 
I had a pretty poor uh, had a poor a pretty poor run of cards. I found myself down from my starting stack of thirty thousand to squiggly twenty five thousand after the first few levels. We had eight players at our table to start, but just lost one to a table change, so seven handed going into this one. The table is full of loose players and a few high hands that have been beaten by junk so far. Oh boy. Uh, level four blinds are three hundred, six hundred. Um, first two players fold, and we have a limper, and we are next to act, and we have two black sevens. Well, generally, when I'm at a table like this, I just call and hope to hit a set. Um, if I think that people are willing or inclined to fold to bets, and depending on my reputation, I would raise, I know a lot of people like to raise, um... And I, I do like to raise with, with pairs and when I'm the not the first one in, but when no one's raised yet. Just a lot of times I like to just, you know, I'm hoping that if I call, get a bunch of other callers and I'm getting the right price to try to, you know, uh, set mine or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think you'll probably raise here, but I think I'm just going to limp along and hope to hit. Um, no, I could defend either way. Um uh, probably the reason I, I would normally raise, and I probably the reason I'm more inclined to raise here is because of the junk that's out there, or, or reportedly has been out there. Um, so I want to clear some of that junk out of the of the way. Um, but I certainly can defend since we already have a limper, or other limping and and set mining, and you know, maybe get more people with junk in, and if we hit, we hit, and we just throw it away if it, we don't. Um, I, I guess. To me, would be I, I, how loose these players are. Are they loose callers? Um, because I, I don't want to raise and have all the junk stick around and just made it more expensive for me to set mine, right? Right. So that would be probably my deciding factor. But uh, I, I would think I'd probably raise here. But if somebody wants a limp, I'm perfectly fine with it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our hero says, I decided to put in a bet here of 1.8K. Let's just say it's called 1800. <laughs> okay. Um, hoping to encourage a table wide fold fest, but the big blind calls, and so is the limper. All right, well, I'm not too worried about this. You know, we got three people in, we've taken control. Uh, I was more worried about five or six people. Yeah. Calling. Well, we already asked two folders, so the most we get out was five, so. Right. Um, I don't mind three, three players here. Yeah. No, because here's the other thing, too, is you've raised. So now you can pretty much represent anything. But it could also come three babies, and you know you've got the probably got the good hand, best hand, you know, um, and don't have a any apprehension about c betting, um, and you know you got a made hand with just two two opponents. So I I don't I'm not uncomfortable at this point now. I just like I said I I don't mind limping either because limping is for a small amount, and if you get to the flop for that amount, hey, you don't hit you you see some uh, kickback or whatever pushback then. Mm-hmm. You know, you just get out of it. So either way, I'm happy. Um, but now, now that we've gotten sort of controlled and and uh, smallish field, sure, let's let's see a flop eagerly. All right, he says the big blind is a tight player like myself, so I have him down as playing pictures or a decent pair here. He is squeakly 30k. Uh, the woman who limped, uh, he says, however, is one of the very loose players at the table. She folds few hands pre-flops, and her range is very wide. So no read on her cards yet, and she two sits around squiggly 30k. Uh, the pot is a uh, 5700, and we see a flop of seven of hearts, jack of spades, ten of diamonds, 
The big blind bets 2500 without much thought. And uh, the woman doesn't seem that eager, but calls the bet anyway. So now it's on us with our set of sevens. Okay, so we started with about 25000 right? Yeah, both other opponents started with around thirty. So. All right, so... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely raising here. I don't like a call because, you know, it is coordinated. It is, yeah. And... Because you had players just calling and not re-raising, they could have cards that are fitting in here somewhere. If somebody has like a Jack-10, that's like ideal because, you know, that's what you want. You want them to have something like a decent hand that can call an all-in or a, a re-raise. Um, and if not, you've made a pretty decent pot anyway now. I mean, you've got almost six grand plus they bet out, so another five. So you got 11,000. I mean, that's almost 50% of your stack. So I don't mind re-raising here to, I don't know, seven grand, something like that. And then if they want to come along or re-raise you, I'm happy with my set. Um, So that's what I would do. And then even if you're, you know, somehow behind the straight, eight, nine, you got outs to a boat, which happens more than you think. So I I have no problem raising it. And I really don't want to just call and slow play. I, I don't, I think that we're too vulnerable with the cards that are out there right now. Yeah, I, um, a couple of reasons I really like raising here. One, we got somebody that bet into us. That's always great, right? Right. So, you know, it's a chance that maybe he'll uh, raise us. Um, and obviously, we need to be somewhat concerned about a higher set. But I think it's I don't I don't think a set of jacks would have limped from the big blind, and uh, I really don't think a set of ten. I mean, a pair of tens would have either. So I'm not too worried about that right now. So we got a bet out there. That's great. And then we have this woman that seems to not go anywhere and play all kinds of stuff. Um, and I just don't know what that means. And you're right, we have the Jack-10 out there, so you know we could be up against uh, two pair that could get out draw on us. So we could, up, could be, she could have a straight draw of some kind. So um, I, I definitely want to get as much money in this pot right now as possible. And then they suck out on us, they suck out on us, but... Yeah, I mean, you could even be looking at something as, you know, pocket eights. You know, right. some, maybe maybe they have pocket eights, and they're like, oh, I don't know if I really believe you, and I don't think it was worth a re-raise, but I have a gutter now to a nine, so you really want to make them pay, uh, because there's enough money out there now, I think that a re-raise is not uh, out of the realm of what somebody could do, and there's enough money that somebody might call because of how much is out there when you re-raise, so... I, I like to try to narrow this even more and even take it down if I could right now. You know, well, I, Big Blind has Jack-10, too, and we raise, he could put us on Ace-Jack and then re-raise us. That's great. Yep, yep. Right? Or an overpair because we raise preflop, and then they'll yeah, they'll yeah. want to get it all in with you if they had Jack-10. And and so, yeah, so there's a lot of scenarios, I think, that could call a re-raise here, so let's do it. It'd be one thing if you you know you've got the deck crippled and you can afford to just call, but in this case, I feel like we really need to get our money in here as much yeah. as we can now. I agree. All right. Um, our hero decides to raise. Um, he raises to 7,000. Yeah, that's what I think. That's exactly what I said. Yeah, so that sounds right. Seems good to me. Uh, the big blind calls, and so does a limper. Wow. wow. Holy cow. Uh, our hero says I have around 15,000 <laughs> left at this point, and the pot is now 26,700. Uh, so we know what's going to happen here for us. Yeah. And the turn is the Queen of Spades. So our board now is Seven of Hearts, Jack of Spades, Ten of Diamonds, Queen of Spades. 
and um, small blind checks, and the limper bets five thousand now. Huh. Man, I mean, uh, huh. Well, I mean, it feels like Ace King now, but why would they have limped with Ace King? That's the thing. Um, it, it really feels like, but you know, they had two overs. And uh, they called with a gutter and two overs and got there. Um, but it could still be two pair that they've now turned two pair. Like they could have had Queen Jack, and now they've, hey, I got top pair. I'm not going anywhere. And you might limp with Queen Jack, and now you've turned two pair. So uh, either way, I think I'm just calling because I really want to have more confidence in and the river pairing the board for me, if that doesn't happen, then I'm going to have to just call the rest of the way unless it's unreasonable. And even then, I'm not sure if I'll get away from it. But I don't know if I'm betting now because now it's really coordinated. Um, and on top of that, there's two spades now too. So, yeah, we could try to protect against that, but it's a little too late, I think, to protect. I think hands could have gotten there if they were drawing already. Um, and they weren't sticking around because of spades, I don't think. So you know, with three spades. So I think that we need to just call here and hope that uh, the board pairs so we can feel more confident on the river. Because if not, it's going to be a tough call or bet at the end. Yeah, this is a really weird spot to be in now, I think. Um, you know, I still like my hand, um, but the action is just so hard to understand now, right? Yeah. Hey, this guy that bet at, bent into us, we raised, he called. Now we're slowing down, so he's probably a little bit worried about what we have, that we have him beat somehow, and he's probably drawing to uh, catch up, or maybe he's ready to fold. You know, Maybe he's decided that he took a stab and wasn't there, but we don't know. And then this woman that's been doing nothing all along, but just calling, now decides she wants to bet, and then puts this silly little 5,000 bet into a 26,000 pot, which almost screams, I, knew, I want to call. But really, what does she have that would happen? I mean, this ace-king makes absolutely no sense to me here. You know, she didn't raise pre-flop, and then she calls a bet, and then a raise again, and it comes back to her, and she calls another with two overs. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i seen... And then hits her gut shot. I've seen a lot of people do that with two overs and trying to hit a gutter, but not... Not, not with all not, the action. Not, yeah, not all that action, though. So that's, it just feels like... The only way she could be emboldened to do this is if she has two pair or the nuts. Why would? How could she be emboldened enough to now bet if she's a passive player? Yeah. You know. Well, she's a loose player. Well, passive. I'm sorry, she's not like, passive. She's been playing it passively. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. So they're interesting, and five thousand is not going to get anybody to fold. Which so I mean, she doesn't want you to fold. That's why it feels she like she doesn't want you to fold, or she doesn't understand what she's doing. You yeah. know, again, you have to remember this is a free league. A free league, yeah. yeah. I think it is. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I think from his previous emails, it's it's free poker. But um, so there's a possibility that she just doesn't know what she's doing here. I see no reason to raise here. I I maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll get thrashed for that. But I no. I, I think when you first said that, it, it took me by surprise. But then I started thinking about it. And I'm like, this is very similar to a hand a week we had. I don't know, last week or the week before, where there doesn't seem to be much incentive to risk your last 10k here. Yeah. Wrong. I mean. If you if you're beat here, there's some random hand here that has his beat, and then she bets another five thousand on the river, and we call. We're still in this tournament, and right now just throwing this extra ten in. There's really only advantage I can see that to, to throwing our raising our ex, our final ten after this is um, if the 
big blind does have a hand that we're vulnerable to that might push him out. Yeah. And it just have to be hurt. Yeah. This is probably a good reason. Maybe, you know, I just don't want to get it all in just to force another guy out when I'm already, if I'm behind the nuts, if I'm somehow behind the nuts now, I have to hit the 10 outs. And it's like, uh, I'd rather just. Well, that's a fair point. Yeah, if we're already losing the one, it's. Not I might as well call the five and maybe keep the other guy around for another five. So in case I do hit my boat, now I've got an extra yeah, free yeah. five, and I'm not, and my life's not on the end of the line yeah, if yeah, I don't I get there. Like that thinking actually now. Yeah. All right. I'm just gonna call. Yeah, I'm just gonna let's call the five. Um. All right. So our hero says a uh, very weak move here. I'm guessing an ace king preflop limp, and now she's betting for value, but I can't rule out. Her betting against a straight or a flush with two pair, maybe even pocket queens that might have just tripped up. I don't know. Queens really seem more remote here than even ace king. Yeah, I, I can't even think of it. Queens. <clears throat> or or another set either, because I think she would have raised with pocket paired tens or jacks. Yeah, so. she thought now the board's getting scarier, so now she has to come alive with her tens and or her tens or her jacks. But wouldn't she have raised with a pocket pair like that? But there, yeah, but yeah, I mean, if you're coming alive now, come alive. I mean, she didn't come alive at all. She like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, and our hero continues, uh, why do the big blinds slow down? Too many unknowns here, and I'm having a tough time deciding what to do. After some time, I decide to make the call. Not sure if it's the right move or not. Making the call leaves me with just 10000 and change. Maybe I should have just put my chips in. Still not sure what she could have had, even though 10K is a playable stack if I have to fold on the river. So, yeah, we already addressed that, and I think it's probably the right move, so we'll find out. Uh, the big blind thinks as well, but ultimately lays his hand down. So with 36700 in the pot, the dealer shows us the seven of diamonds on the river. The final board is seven of hearts, jack of spades, ten of diamonds, uh, queen of spades, seven of diamonds, Yahtzee. <laughs> well, one thing I want to get out of the way quick is that I, I don't, I'm not surprised at all by the way the other guy played. I mean, he, he tried to take the hand, then he called our re-raise, and now he's like, this guy's raised pre-flop, now he's raising again after I tried to bet into a donk bet or whatever. He, clearly, he's got something, so I'm slowing down. And there's another person in the hand is calling, too. There's no reason. Yeah, so, came alive here. Yeah, so it's obvious that this guy needs to slow down and then not call here. Uh, he was He obviously had some piece of this. Didn't believe us on the flop, so he bet into us or whatever. Then when he saw he kept getting these calls and re-raises and calls again, he's like, All right, I'm not betting again. There's no way this guy's betting. So that doesn't confuse me at all. The, the, yeah, the, they're, I think the, very likely he had a naked jack there. And so, yeah. Hey, I think yeah. I shot at this, and then I all called a raise because I'm deep stacked here, and if I hit my second card or hit another jack, then maybe I'll feel better about it. And that didn't happen, and then this other woman comes alive. Now, like, you know, now why stick around? Now I think he – I don't – Without knowing what he had, I I, I think he. I'm certainly not going to criticize. How yeah, doing. yeah. There's no there's no reason to bet out here at all, and then there's no reason to call once it gets to him. So anyway, now that we're on the river, we've got the nuts. We're we don't have to worry about anything because she has to bet first anyway. So you're in a yeah. perfect position with this. And of course, she uh, ships her stack in, and we insta call, so we don't need to waste time talking about whether we would have called. <laughs> yeah. Um. She shows the ace of spades, king of spades. Yeah. And grumbles quite loudly when she sees my quads. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, um, and it makes perfect sense why she came alive. What doesn't make sense is all that action, and she's still calling on a gutter and overs. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's just 
I mean, that's 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 free league to a T to me. That's one of the reasons why I stopped playing too, because you just and yet believe me, it doesn't make you a better player to be able to put these people on hands and beat them when they're still learning the game. Because when you're playing for real money, this stuff may happen when guys are really, really deep stacked uh, in tournaments or even cash. But very rarely are you going to get bet, call, re-raise, call, and then someone call with two overs and a gutter. They're going to say, I know I'm beaten. I have to hit on this. Why am I wasting my stack? And they're going to get out. So even though we both kind of guessed ace-king, and said that's, you know, because we always know it's hand of the week, you think the nuts is getting there. But, you know, you're not really learning anything by being able to figure out these players because some of them may be playing for money with you someday, but for the most part, people aren't making those calls with ace-king there, you know, or they're not limping with it pre-flop ace-king and then just keep calling raises with it. They either limp hoping to come alive with it or they're doing a disguise the hand because they had played ace king differently before but in this case it doesn't seem like that it seems like this person was loose but playing every hand the same i don't know i, I just don't think you're going to learn a lot from playing these leagues yeah well no you know i think we talked about this before that when you get to the the finals here people actually start playing more properly because there's something to play for rather than just hanging out so and, and i don't I, I, it could be that Ty lives in New Zealand and maybe they don't have a casino there. It might be his only option. So Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just, you know, that's not what I mean. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that yeah, yeah, to me, but, it, this is how people normally play. But, yeah, it's really unfortunate that she she had his beat on the turn and very fortunate that we caught up here because Ace-King really made absolutely no sense. Um, and, you know, it's almost curious to me that she bet out anyhow, right? Yeah, she had maybe. the nuts there, and she didn't have to worry about a redraw because she had, uh, she had the redraw. So, I, I mean, I guess she was trying to get some value out of it, but it seemed like she could have waited another street and see if see what we would have done there. Right. Um, we we had this other guy in the hand that's already. I mean, both, we have two players in the hand that have, have shown interest in this pot already, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think she needed to put five thousand in. That she probably limited her. What she should have won, had we not caught up, right? Because you go back to what we talked about before. We had an out to, to fold this hand now with 10k if we didn't like how the river worked. Right. Right. If an ace, an ace comes on the river or a nine, now any eight, any king, all that kind of thing beats you, and you have a chance to let it go. Um, and at, with 10 grand, you still have way more than 10 big blinds. So. You know, you're still alive and can work it back up to the 25 you had. One double up and you're almost there. So, um, absolutely. I, I mean, I, say, I don't see much downside <laughs> to her checking that um, and taking a chance that we're going to bet. And with our hand, we, we would have shoved there probably. Um, now, she did. She couldn't necessarily put us on that hand. But right. really didn't seem like a downside. I, I think she actually cost herself a lot of chips by bet, setting a price that was like ridiculously low there. If she was going to bet, she might as well bet half the pot or something and put us to a test. It's uh, also interesting that earlier when they bet into us and we flopped the set, we were talking about raising, and I was even considering shoving. But as it turns out, had I shoved, I think she most certainly folds there and we don't get enough. So yeah. our traditional play ends up paying off the most for us rather than you know just saying, hey, I want to take this pot now and shoving. 
and then getting them to fold, which I'm sure they probably would have. Um, so it turns out that a traditional raise got it done here because there was enough left in everyone's stack to be able to call, whereas they couldn't just call your 20 grand shove or whatever. So right. I like it. I like that uh, that we played it traditionally and it paid off for us. We got lucky too, but then so did she. So she got unlucky ultimately, but huh. Yeah, that ace-king. I mean, I, I admit to limping with ace-king once in a while, but it's just because... Well, the limping, I, I get. I, I don't mind the limping, you know, but I think with that action on that flop, that's a lot of money to put in yeah. on a gut shot. Yeah. And it worked out that no one... Very rarely could you have put her on that hand once that turn hit. Right. Which exactly. is why I think she should have checked again, to be honest with you. She should have checked yeah. again and let us bet into her again. Maybe even shove to protect... And then she says, bingo, bango, bongo, you know, I got the nuts. And then you're like, oh, please bear the board. So uh, I, don't, I don't agree with the way she's played this hand, like, all the way through. <laughs> I think that I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Now, he says the big blind admitted to playing ace-jack, uh, which makes oh. a lot of sense, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Top pirate, top, top, uh, didn't feel confident enough to re-raise with ace-jack, which you don't necessarily need to. Um, or did he, did we raise, there was a re no, we raise. we raised preflop with sevens and got right, two calls. Right. So, yeah, so yeah, you don't you, you know you, that's a tough hand to re-raise with there, and hit top pair. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take control and then get raised. And I'm like, all right, well, I got a jack, so if an ace comes, I'm good. And not, I'm down. Yeah, and it makes sense that he slowed down because like, it really all he like had was one that. pair, and it wasn't even top pair after that turn. Right. You know, and all he had was a gutter after that. So, huh? Interesting. All right, well, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. The music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.